Uh, Father Godord, uh, as much as I didn't think I would say this, I want to thank you for giving me this lesson or this last year of my life has created uh, great sources of uh, emotion, bitterness from the high end to the low end. And uh, this lesson really helped reveal a lot about myself and where my heart is. And I just pray that the people in this room can be equally as impacted uh, as I was by your words as I was preparing this, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to be here, Lord, to be with everyone, to be at the beach, to grow in love and in faith. And Lord, I pray that we leave here closer to you than when we got here. Lord, I love you. I thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is TC. I'm the campus minister at the Crossings Church uh, Interbelt. We're the one in St. Louis. Remember, St. Louis, good... St. Charles Bad. Is he in here? IT? Dang. Okay. All right. That's an inside joke. Um, so this whole weekend has been about turning the tide and how to leave here and make a huge impact on our world and our campuses and on everything there. So uh, the last few weeks I've noticed, or actually the last month or so, I've noticed a trend like on social media posting about how glad everyone is that 2016 is over. Right? Has anyone noticed those posts? So what is it about the new year that people really like like so much? You guys can just shout out whatever. What? Hope? Okay. What's up? Revolutions? Faith? A new start? Anyone else? Change? Yeah, I tax returns. That's so you tell the married you can tell the married people, tax returns, woohoo! Mine's already spent before we've gotten it. So um, there's a lot of different things. People just like the New Year's Eve party, right? I know I did. I know I partied this year, and I didn't even do the things I used to do. But it, it, it was a lot of fun and getting together with people and uh, the chance for a new start, right? Um, it reminds people that they have the power to choose. I put a little thing on Facebook about asking people why they were excited, and I got every single one of those answers. It was it was actually cool. Some people, I just wanted, like, a word that came to mind, and some people wrote, like, this is why 2016 was terrible, and it's like, oh, wow, that's a lot, and you don't know any of my friends. I have, like, 2,000 friends on Facebook, and they all know your business now, but um, so I saw a lot of those posts, and it wasn't necessarily, like, the, the posts that started, it was, like, the reasons, um, the intensity that people spoke with, how glad they were, from the intense cussing to the almost violence, the just the bitterness and the everything that was in there, to the point where some different bloggers, Matt Walsh, I don't know if anyone follows Matt Walsh, very insightful guy, he wrote a whole blog about like people getting upset, like that these celebrities that they've never met passed away, like really, really like genuinely like upset. Like I know I joked around like when Alan Thicke died. Like, does anyone know who Alan Thicke is? Growing pains. I hope I'm not showing my age. But, like, I had, like, kind of not the best parents, so I always felt like Alan Thicke and Danny Tanner were, like, my dad because they gave me much better life lessons than what I got at home. So, like, when Alan Thicke died, I was kind of like, oh, that, oh, man, that really stinks, and I put the Growing Pains theme song on my Facebook. But I wasn't, like, really upset. I know people that were, like, really, really, really upset that, like, Carrie Fisher died and Alan Thicke died and, and all these different celebrities. Right? And that doesn't really mean, oh, I saw posts where they literally said, 2016 took part of my soul. And you're like, wow, like that's, a, like, that's really, as my, 
as my friends up here would say, that's extra. Right? That's really extra. Right? 2016 ruined their life. You know, and it wasn't just like our generation that does that. Uh, I'm going to read one for you. I loathe my life. I will give free utterance to my complaint. I will speak into the bitterness of my soul. I wasn't social media. That was Job. Right? So that's, you're talking not just 2,000 years, but like thousands of years even before that. That's Job. So it wasn't just us. It's not you millennial folk. This is across the board. People are excited about change and about hope. Bitterness really transcends all generations. So I have a different theory of why people were excited for the new year. I think Job was on to something. People are bitter about where their lives have turned out. Right, you look at your life and you've been dealt a, a bad hand the other day. So I taught my son, those of you sorry about if he's punched you, the game where the, the guys hold the thing down and then if you look, you get a punch. I taught my son that and when I got him, he looked at me and said, you cheated. And that's like where our society is at. If, if you get dealt a raw hand, you've been cheated. And there's that bitterness that builds up in you. And so we're so bitter about where our lives are at but yet we keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. We're beating our head into the wall, trying to do the same thing, trying to break through the wall, trying to get past the bitterness that every time a new year comes around, we're like, all right, this is the year. This is the year I get past all the junk and all the garbage that I've been holding on to and that I've been running through walls to try to get through. So 2016 gets here. We don't change anything. At the end of 2017, we're going to post about all the dead celebrities. We're going to post about how our lives suck. We're going to post about how we're not where we envisioned where we should be at the beginning of the year. Right? Did anyone's 2015 end like their 2016 did? Because I can go back through if you do the time hop. I can go back through and time hop back to some of my friends that said 2016 took part of my soul and look at 2015 and be like, oh, it took some more of the soul there too. Because they did the same things over and over again. We keep trying to do the same things. That's insanity, guys. Now, don't get me wrong. There are things in your life that are like legit. I'm not just talking about celebrity deaths. You lose a family member. You lose a baby. You, you lose a job. Someone else loses a job. Your parents get divorced. There's abuse in your house or you were abused by someone that you trusted. Someone that you thought was like a brother or a father figure violated you. There are legit reasons for that feeling of bitterness to exist in your life. And I'm not trying to downplay those because they come. They hit everyone. I'm going to play a song. Uh, does anyone here listen to Andy Minio? A good amount of you. I love Andy Minio. I saw him in concert a few years. He does an awesome show. He was on for like two or two and a half hours. He, was, he had to do like three changes because he like sweated through his stuff. He gets after it on stage. He's awesome. So I'm going to play a song. You can follow along. The words are up there. And then we'll jump into the rest of our lesson. <coughs> One thing during this lesson, okay, and you can write this down, all right? If you get good enough friends with Carrie Cox or Ashley Catazon and they send you a song link, do not open it because I guarantee you you're going to be crying by the end of that song because Carrie sent me this song. He's a jerk. We can put that out there. Sends me this song, and I'm listening, and I've got, like, extreme daddy issues, and... I open this song, and I'm like bawling by the end of it. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? And judging by the amount of people here, 
you guys have daddy issues, you've got mommy issues, you've got something going on in your life where there's something that you're holding on to that's got you and you're struggling with some form of bitterness. And if we're going to truly turn the tide in our lives and in our schools and our families in our communities, we'll never do that as long as there's something we're holding on to. And as Andy said in the song, bitterness is a choice. So where we're going to jump out of tonight or today is Acts 8 and Simon the Sorcerer. See, the believers are carrying out the Great Commission. They are going, they are preaching the word. And they get to Samaria, and Philip was preaching. And in Acts 8, 9, uh, Simon the sorcerer took notice. It said, a man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. So the first thing we know about Simon is that I believe that he, he really coveted power and prestige. Because he was going around, he liked what people thought of him, he liked the recognition that he got for doing great things within the community. Now the people of the area, when Philip came in, started to believe Philip's message and stopped kind of following Simon and turned their direction, turned their tide, right, and said, oh, Philip, Philip's following the one true God that he's preaching about Jesus. Let's follow Philip as he follows Christ, so then Simon starts to notice, like, oh, I don't have as many people. What's going on here? And Philip, they're doing all these amazing things. Let me go talk to Philip. So then Philip, or I'm sorry, Simon began to follow Philip everywhere he went. Simon ends up believing and becoming a Christian. And then all of a sudden, the big guns came to town, Peter and John. Peter and John, when they got there, they started laying hands on people. People began to receive the Holy Spirit, and Simon... That, that thing he coveted began to creep up because he started to see power. He started to see prestige, and he wanted a piece of that. So Simon goes up to, to Peter and asks, like, hey, like, I want a piece of this. I'll even give you money for it. Like, I want to be able to do what you do. And you look at that. Is that really the reason to want to do that stuff? So there was something going on in Simon's heart. And this is where things get interesting. And if you know anything about Peter, Peter is uh, my favorite New Testament uh, person because I feel like I relate a lot to Peter because Peter didn't have a filter. And if you know a lot about me, I don't have much of a filter. It gets me in trouble often. So Peter says, May your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps, perhaps he will forgive you your evil thoughts. For I can see that you're, you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things that you have said will not happen to me. So bitter. Why was Simon so bitter? It seemed like he was cruising along, right? It seemed like he was on the right track. He appeared to be following, right? He had the right people around him. He was trying to do the right thing. He seemed like he had it all together. But what was there to be bitter about? Again, he coveted something, the power and the prestige that he couldn't have. An unrepentant sin in his life. He had a part of his heart that wasn't surrendered, and he had gotten hard. So as I challenge you right now to really think for just a few seconds, what's that unrepentant part of your heart? What's that thing that you covet? 
It may be something really trivial, just love from a parent. For someone to say they're sorry for the thing that they've done to you. There are a lot of different things, that thing that you're holding on to that you just haven't let go of. Because if there's that part of your heart, bitterness will spring up. It will corrupt your heart. It will harden your heart. And it's going to prevent you from turning the tide in your life and the lives of the people around you. So I want you guys to think about that now and as we leave on the ride home, I want you guys to talk about that stuff. For Simon, it was the power and prestige. For you, it is blank. All right, so I want you to know two truths about bitterness before we jump into our points. Number one, you will get hit. You will get hit with bitterness at some point in your life. Someone's going to die unexpectedly. Something bad's going to happen. Someone gets promoted before at work before you do. Someone gets uh, elected class leader or group leader or gets to pray at the end of a service when you were really the one wanting to pray. It may seem ridiculous now, but something's going to spring up in your life when you get hit. And it's going to affect you in two ways. First of all, it's going to affect you spiritually. When you get hit, it's going to affect your spiritual walk. You cannot be bitter towards anyone, and Annie said this in a song. You cannot be bitter towards someone or something and love God. Eventually, your desire to be close to God will be affected. So we're going to go in Galatians 5, verses 17 through 21. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. As a people, the, being led by the Spirit is against our natural tendency. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for those are opposed to each other. That's in direct opposition to God. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if... And I always like put if in like big letters on my thing because if implies that you guys have a choice in the matter. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, anonymity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy. Those last few, they all sound like bitterness, right? Anonymity, strife, jealousy, as bitterness. Fits of anger can be the result of your bitterness. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, all bitterness. Right? So we can all agree that bitterness and holding on to bitterness is sin, right? Does anyone oppose that? Good, because I'd be really mad and bitter at you if you did. All right, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you, as I warned you before, that all the... All that those who do those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It says that you're, if you hold on to that bitterness, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. That your heart will get hard and God's not going to want anything to do with you. We cannot love God and be bitter towards anyone. Your sin separates you from God, guys. James three fourteen and 15. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about, about the false truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above but it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder disorder in every vile practice. So it's going to affect you spiritually, but it's also going to affect you physically. Guys, over this last year, I really feel like I aged like 10 years. And I'm going to get into why, but of my sister dying and family stuff, I'll get into a little bit more detail as we go. But when you hold on to things physically you're just worn down 
That's so why when we sing I'm Tired, I'm Worn, we sang it the other night. It was really like a good amount of this last year that I couldn't sing that song without just crying. All right, so Psalm 31, 9 and 10. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am distress, in distress. My eyes wasted from grief, my soul and body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. As I was tired, I didn't sleep. Uh, I started getting gray hair in my beard. Right, my mustache and the sides of my hair. Um, you feel things out of nowhere. And you can't figure out why. Uh, which also stresses you out because you're like, wow, I feel this way. Which adds even more to your stress. Everything adds up. It takes your turn. So it affects you. It's going to hit you. But the thing, the second truth is, is there will be collateral damage. It's going to affect the people around you. Um, they're going to feel your stress. They'll feel your pain. Um, is a laminate in here? There he is. Hey, stand up, laminate. That's a laminate. You can sit down, laminate. The people around you, when you're holding on to things, emotions, bitterness, um, will feel your anger. Now, there's no secret about a laminate. First of all, I love an a laminate with all my heart. But one thing you can know about a laminate, you know, Carrie, you know Carrie's a jerk. A laminate is that guy that will, like, can push your buttons. I love the guy. And I'm, like, the same way. But I've learned through the years how to be a little bit less. Um, and Hannah's back there, like, uh-huh, preach, amen. Hannah's back there. She knows because I'm, I like, pushing her buttons. Uh, but a laminate knows how to do that. And uh, there were twice this year, and you, some of you are going to be, oh, like that. And some of you are, like, going to be, in sheer terror because you were there. Uh, Alaminate was doing his thing and I was holding on to things and twice I physically struck him. Once I shoved him over a table and once I actually punched him like in the mouth. Um, and that's like, it's like we just kind of joke about it now, but like looking back, I'm like, what was going on? And when I punched him, I was like, I just don't feel like there's anything going on. And Carrie and Jess and Maria like, had me cornered, and I was being really prideful. And they were like, but there's things going on that you don't even know. And when you're holding on to bitterness, things just come out of nowhere. And the dumbest things get you wild up. And Alameda not only physically felt, but relationally felt something terrible for me. And so when you're holding on to bitterness, you're going to lash out. It may not be physically. It may be with your attitude, with your words, giving someone the cold shoulder, cutting people out of your life isolating yourself I see people out there shaking their heads because you're that probably hits you in one way or another then people they start to worry about you which also stresses you out the kingdom can't move on because everyone's focused on trying to get you there and there's a time where the kingdom and the body needs to be the body and take care of the body but if you hold on to it longer than you need to the kingdom can't move on, and that means there are souls that are being missed, and people aren't being helped the longer you hold on to that bitterness. So I need a volunteer. All right? I mean, before anyone raises their hand, uh, the volunteer must be willing to do whatever I say. All right, we'll go, we'll go here. We'll go here. All right, come up on stage. <laughs> this is... <laughs> Okay. Remember, 
you can't talk right now. There'll be a, there may be a time for that. Okay. All right. So I've got keys here. You have pockets. Okay. Put these keys in your pocket. Okay. All right. Okay. Here we go. Remember, you got to do whatever I say. Okay. He has no idea because he can't see. You ever do the hokey pokey? Alright, put your put your right foot up. Right foot up, stand on one foot. Here we go. Don't fall now because I'm not insured and I can't get sued or anything. Right, put your right foot down. Alright. <laughs> It's like I'm putting Christmas lights on, right? Oh, here we go. Okay. He is like, what is going on here? Okay. This is great. Here we go. Mackie's not here. Actually, take your hands out of your pocket. Someone need us. Mackie's not here, and um, so I figured I had to do something kind of crazy. Uh, put your arms like out like a like a T. Here we go. He's a good listener. Whose group is he in? Does he listen this good for you guys? No. Oh gosh, you got some work to do. All right. Okay. Which more rope do I? I've got a lot of rope, don't I? All right. Okay. Now put your elbows to your side. There we go. He is so good. Here we go. What he doesn't know is this a trick and we're all going to sneak out and go to lunch. Here we go. Here we go. I didn't tell you to pull up your pants. Okay. Getting pretty close. Alright, now put your hands together like you're praying. Here we go. Here we go. This and we'll go the other way for a little bit. Here we go. All right, and I'm going to explain all this. This isn't just a fun bet. Okay. All right, now just open your hands and just hold that for me. Okay. It's a pretty good tying up job. I need to get in the kidnapping business, right? Okay. All right, so I put put the van keys in his pocket, right? Um, now let's explain what we're doing here. He's a great volunteer. All right. And bitterness, like I said, it really hinders you. All right? It keeps you from going. It keeps you from moving on. So if I were to leave him here, what would happen? If we all went to lunch, what would happen? He'd say that, right? He'd get hungry. And eventually, he'd starve, right? He'd get lonely. Eventually, he'd die. Now, there's a van key in his pocket, right? What, if I had enough rope to really take this around, and really take it around to where we couldn't get into his pocket, that's one of our van keys to get home. What would happen to the people that needed to get in that van? Are they going home? Those people aren't going home. They're not going to see their family, and they don't get to go where we're going. You see, guys, 
when we hold on to this bitterness, and you actually have to give the devil permission to do something like this. And I've been described in a lot of ways in my life, and being devilish is definitely like one of those ways. And Max is like, uh-huh, uh-huh. He's the best man at his wedding, but he knows. Like, I love playing practical jokes. You have to give him. So bitterness blinds you to what's going on. For a while there, he didn't know what was going on. He was just listening to the instructions that I gave him. And that's how the devil attacks. You don't think it's bad. It's like, oh, let's just, let's just lift our leg up. I know this isn't God. Okay, I'm just going to put it on. And then it starts going around, and all of a sudden you're like, what is going on? I can't move. And over this last year, for whatever reason it was, I continued to give the devil permission to tie me up and, loose, and, and to, to keep me there, right? Now, here's the thing. If he really wanted to get out of this, what, what would he just have to do? Let go of the rope. We feel like we're stuck in this thing and we can't get out. And all he, ha- all he has to do is let go of the rope. Let go of the rope and get out. You can do it. It takes a little bit. Right? He's shaking it out. Right? And eventually, you know what I'm saying? And all he has to do is get out. But yet we let bitterness hold us and keep us because we stubbornly choose to hold on to those things. Because that's what we want to do. And we live in direct opposition to God. Thank you. You can take a bow. Thank you. Hey, uh, Van, Van Key's back. Van Key's back. Hey, hold on to those because I'll lose them. Okay, so we, we choose to hold on to those things. Right? And this whole last year, this especially like the last six months since my sister died, I've really felt kind of like this. And in doing this lesson, I was like writing this lesson... And I'm like looking and I know the things I want to say and put down on the paper. And the things aren't going from my head to the paper because I've got bitterness just built up in my heart. And I like legit hate my dad or hated my dad. I hadn't talked to him since my sister died. And I don't need to go into this long thing about why that's not godly and why that's in direct opposition to God. We all know that. So I'm like writing this stuff. So I call up Ben. Ben um, is the lead evangelist. He spoke yesterday morning here uh, at our church. And I said, hey, Ben, I'm having trouble writing this lesson. <laughs> and this is how, how strong the bitterness is within me. I said, I, I really feel like I need to call my dad. And he goes, that's probably a good idea at this point. And I said, but is it bad? I don't really want to reconcile. I just want to finish my lesson for, for family vacation. <laughs> you know, and so my, and Ben's kind of like, what? I was like, I don't want to like be good with my dad right now. I still kind of want to hate him. But I want to I just finish this lesson so I can go to Florida and have a, like, deliver this thing, right? And he goes, I really think you need a heart check. And it's like, oh, dang it, man. I should have called someone I knew was going to give me a good answer, but I called Ben instead. <laughs> so it hits you. So growing up, uh, and I, I'm going to talk a lot about my sister um, if you know my sister, you know, one of the things she loved to do is play games, any kind of game, pranks from practical jokes, like games like that. to like board games. And we had battleship. I can't wait to like do battleship with my sister or with my kids, because, um, that was one of our favorite games, the strategy, the randomness, like each game is different because you can put the things. And when me and Mal would play battleship, she would get so mad because I like learned to like follow where her eyes were at and she wasn't very good at it. And then I would like catch her cheating like, with Mallory, 
she was the cheater of the family. She was the youngest, so she, I think she just had to adapt and cheat to win. All right, and I'm like, to a fault, like the rule follower. I'm the middle kid. Like, I'm like, no, no, that's not how it's done. Like, I, I get in trouble for it. So we would get in fights. The games would end up getting flipped over. Don't You didn't want to play Monopoly with us because that's terrible. But playing Battleship, and as I've gotten older, I love the game Battleship. Like I said, I can't wait to play it with my kids, uh, especially because because he's so competitive and he hates losing, and he's going to lose a lot. But I love the, the whole concept of Battleship because I love, like, history, and I love war movies. I love uh, Band of Brothers, uh, which is, like, the German side of it, but then, like, the Pacific, it's like the ocean, the battleships, the Pacific Islands, and you think about this. I mean, you see, have, has anyone seen like a real artillery shell from like a battleship? These things are huge. They're like massive, and then when they they go, it's almost like the whole ship you think should just move because of the power of these battleships. And it's it's so awesome to watch those videos to see like the battles. And in regards to this lesson, bitterness is like a battleship. Because it's going to come, it's going to sail in, it's going to fire those huge artillery shells at your heart, it's going to try to sink your life, and Satan and this battleship want nothing more than to leave you broken and bruised and unable to turn the tide in your lives and the lives of the people around you. So, my battleship. Uh, so around this time last year, my sister... Um, my sister had lupus for like six years and she took a turn for the worse. She ended up in the hospital and, um, everyone's emotions in my family and in the people around me were like on like a thousand, like past 10, past a hundred at a thousand. And things were said from my family members, things were done that I don't necessarily know, like. They, they were malicious, but I think it was more just out of just pure emotion and wanting to find the best solution to help her. Um, but that was rough because uh, my brother-in-law, who's actually doing the same lesson in the other room, caught the, the brunt end of that. So so I tried to step in on a lot of that, and that's not to, like to paint me as a saint like at all. That's not what I'm trying to do here. Um, just to shoulder a little bit of the load for him. And I would do that like a thousand times over. My family was ripping each other apart. Uh, and then she got better, and then she got worse. And then in June, she ended up passing away. And it was weird because like, we were like, oh, she's making rehab, and she's doing this. We got to go to a Greek restaurant for her birthday because we're half Greek. And she that was like her thing. And seeing her there and laughing and getting to have that time was amazing. And then when we're at junior high camp of all places, she was a junior high leader. I get the phone calls like, hey, like you need to get back here. All right, and so we go, I leave, get to the hospital. We end up taking her to the big hospital, and it was like, within like 10 days of that, she had passed away. And my source of bitterness isn't really her passing away because I know like it stinks, and I know there, like there were things that were robbed, like life, and her getting to see her son go to kindergarten, which she missed by like two months. There's things like that, but overall with her, I feel like she's in a good place. She's pain-free. But then the craziness of my family afterwards. And there's a lot of things just dealing with that. When does Christmas start? December 25th. Not for Mallory. As soon as Christmas music came on the radio, that's when Christmas started for my sister. So like September 15th, something like that. When it starts playing in St. Louis, like super early. And every year I'd get a phone call. 
hey, TC, TC, guess what? And she called me all excited, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? She's like, Christmas music's on, that is all, and she'd hang up on me. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? Stop calling me for that. Like, I hate Christmas music. But this year, I didn't get a phone call, right? I drive by and I see the Christmas music stuff. I'd be skiing through the radio and I'd hear deck the halls, and I'm like, oh, I'm crying to deck the halls. And you guys probably think I'm crying at everything because every song makes me cry nowadays. So it's it's wrong. Christmas started for her, and that's a source of things that just that emotion, right? Uh, over the holidays, not getting to see her come over to the house and not getting to uh, hear her yell at Tim. Uh, my brother-in-law will, will watch Christmas Story from the second it comes on. To like this, like, till he falls asleep all day. It's got to be on, and she would yell at him, Timmy. She'd get so mad at him for having that on, and just not hearing him fight about it this year. Just stupid things like that. So with all these things in my life, got a lot of emotion carrying around. We've got grief shared at our church starting this week, and I am not happy about it. I'm bitter, but it's gonna be good. So when you think of battleship, we're gonna we're gonna talk about how to sink the bitterness battleship. Okay, so just like battleship, you've got to know the coordinates to sink the battleship. So coordinate number one, H12, hit. So we're going to flip over. If you've got your Bibles with you, we're in Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, H12. Verse 14, make every effort to live at peace with everyone and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See, this is written directly to a person. You are commanded to live at peace, regardless of how you feel, regardless of what someone's done to you. And can you really live at peace with someone if you're holding on to bitterness? I don't think so. All right, continuing, verse 15. See to it that no one feels short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. It says, hold each other accountable to this. And guys, there were times, like with Ben, I wanted him to say, no, you you don't need to call your dad to do that. You can have a bad motive and you can do this. But did Ben say that? No, Ben was holding me accountable to God's standard. And guys, if you see people, and this is where the body should act like the body, like I said earlier, if you see people holding on to things or know that someone is going through a rough time and you don't go around them and put your arm around them and see how they're doing, and try to like help guide them, not push them, but guide them on the path of peace? Are you really that person's brother or sister? So that's a challenge to, to be held accountable, but then also to hold someone else accountable. And that root will grow up. The, the bitter word comes from like a very poisonous fruit. That when you're bitter, like it affects the people around you, the mood, the attitude, right? So verse 16. See that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau, for a single meal, sold his hairs right as the oldest son. So don't trade the eternal glory for a temporary pleasure, the temporary feeling of I'm justified in my bitterness so I can be angry. This person did this so I can be angry. I'm right, they're wrong, so I can hold on to this. Because that is not biblical. Verse 17, afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. So guys, some of those verse, some verses, versions of this make it seem like he sought repentance with tears. That's not what he sought. He 
he was seeking the blessing. And so many times we want the blessing of God, but we don't want to make the sacrifice and the surrender, the repentance required to get ourselves right to get that blessing. So we've got to seek repentance and peace with people, with tears. So the code word for this coordinate is peace. It doesn't matter what they've done or how right, they, how right you are or whatever. You can control it. You can make the choice to live at peace with everyone. Several years ago, um, when I was just a small group leader at the church in Wentzville, um, I had a group of guys and they got an apartment together. And one of the guys wasn't paying rent, wasn't paying rent, wasn't paying rent. And I said, hey, you need to sit this guy down as brothers and say, hey, man, like, what's going on? If, you, if you're having trouble, you need to tell us because that puts all of us out if you don't. Well, he was always waiting until, like, midnight of the night it was due and telling people I don't have the money. So I told him, I was like, hey, if, uh, here's what I would do. If it were me and he does this again, you need to warn him two weeks before. If you don't have the money and you wait till midnight, you will be homeless. And that's exactly what he did. They did. And so somehow that got back to the dad because the, the guy started living in his truck behind his work and didn't tell anyone, didn't tell his dad. So the dad calls me up and is pretty mad, right, and is like <laughs> threatened to fight me and all kinds of stuff. And I was like oddly calm during it. And I was like, hey, I really feel like you need to probably pray about this, maybe seek some advice, and, and really like let's sit down and talk about this because there's a lot more than what you're hearing from your son. And we didn't talk for like four months until finally we did a lesson um, at church. It was how to love people you can't stand. And it talked about the evil in me versus the evil in them. And so I called that guy and I made an effort to live at peace. And now we're like, me and the dad are still like good friends now. But it took an effort. If we both didn't take an effort, there was a split, a separation, and that's not godly. And just like with my dad, me and my dad didn't talk for six months. And we didn't talk about anything like groundbreaking. We didn't talk about the things I'm upset about. But I opened that door to live at peace with him. And by doing that, like the lesson just like flew onto the page. And like it's not about the lesson, but I, that conscience and that thing like that just it made me feel better. All right, so coordinate number one is H12. We're in Hebrews 12. Coordinate two, D29. Hit, all right? I used to love that when my sister would say hit because I'd like point and laugh at her and we spike things like in your face, you know? So D29, we're in Deuteronomy 29, verse 18. I'm making this covenant with you so that no one among you, no man, woman, clan, or tribe will turn away from the Lord our God to worship these gods of, our, of other nations. And so that no root among you bears bitterness and poisonous fruit. Those who hear these warnings of this curse should not congratulate themselves thinking, I am safe. Everyone here has heard the warning, right? And so many people that are here at this conference think, oh, I am here, I am safe. Simon was with Philip thinking, I am safe. But he didn't have the right heart, so he wasn't safe. Continuing in verse 19, even though I am following the desires of my own stubborn heart, you follow what you want and you compromise the things of God so you are not safe. This would lead to utter ruin. You have been warned. The Lord will never pardon such people. Esau wasn't pardoned because of him wanting to repent. 
he was par- wasn't pardoned because he never got his heart right with God. Instead, his anger and jealousy will burn against them. This is talking about God against his people. All the curses will be written in this book and will come down on them, and the Lord will erase their names from under heaven. So you aren't okay if you don't surrender every part of your heart. It is shown in what you do. The code word here is surrender. And surrender has such like a negative thing because you're thinking about all the things you're giving up. Don't think about the things you're giving up. Think about the relationship with Christ that you're gaining. Think about the Holy Spirit that's going to live amongst you. Think about eternal life with God the Father. Think about the things you're gaining here. So personal example. I was actually talking to someone about this this morning. Guys, I'm not perfect. There's no reason I should be standing here. All right? I am not perfect at all. But I think my walk has been marked by like an obedience to God. Um, and I, I come back to the things of God and I stubbornly obey God. Um, a few years ago, uh, six, eight or nine years ago, uh, we had a guy and he was sleeping around with like our guests and we went to him, we talked to him, he was like, you can't do that, like here's the Bible, here's why you can't do that. And eventually we got to the point, and I love the guy with like all my heart, we had to exercise church discipline and tell him, you know what, like we love you, you're welcome here, but you cannot live like this. And that was like the second most hardest conversation I've ever had to have with anyone in my life. I didn't want to do it. But my walk was marked with like obedience on that because I knew that's what God wanted me to do. So guys, we've got to be people who strive to live at peace, that strive to live to be surrendered. And third, coordinate number three, R12. R12, Romans 12, right? Verses 19 through 21. If it is possible, as far as depends on you, and again, this is your choice, you can tr- control it, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And my natural instinct is to strike hard and strike first. Sorry, Alaminade, about that. That's my natural tendency, right? And so many of us in here, maybe not again with fists, but with a cold shoulder, with bitterness, with an attitude, with just not loving someone, strike hard first, strike first. They need to feel my wrath. But is that what this says? Because that's not what this says. This says something different. It says that God's going to take care of those people, whether it's here on this earth or on the next, that God is the one that serves up vengeance and wrath. And it is not our job. Right? To the contrary, I don't want to hear that. Like, you ever get to a verse where you're like, I wish I hadn't read that. I don't want to read this. It says, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. For me, it's like if your enemy is hungry and they've hurt you, let him starve. But that's not what this says. It says feed him. All right? If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. All right? You ever get, like, real parched? I'd, like, personally, I'd love to see my enemy going, like, all parched because I know how that feels and how terrible it is. And you're just like, all I want is something to drink. But it says give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not... Be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And my natural tendency when I say, that is hogwash. You overcome evil with evil. Right? But the Bible says, on the contrary, you overcome evil by doing good. So the code word here, we're just going to say opposite. Because our natural tendency in Romans 7, that tug of war, I do the things I don't want to do, and I do the things that I do not want to do, and it gets all confusing. 
Basically, it's just saying, do what God wants you to do. Live the way that God wants you to do. Live the opposite of what you want to do and do that instead. All right? My instinct in Proverbs 19.11. Good sense makes one slow to anger. Slow to do what is on your heart. And it is his, it is his glory to overlook an offense. Again, my natural tendency is to want to like come down on that offense and make you feel it. But it says you can overlook this. God's going to handle it. God's got this. Do the opposite. I can be so cutting and mean with my words and my attitude. Um, how much would your situation change if instead of focusing on how badly you're hurt and how bitter you are, if you try to serve those people instead? And you tried to feed them and give them the water that never runs out. How much would that change your situation? All right, so we're going to live at peace, right? We're going to live surrendered. We're going to live the opposite. And the last coordinate to sink the battleship, E4, Ephesians 4, E4. Verse 31 and 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. You've got to repent of those things. Be kind to one another. Act godly in spite of how you feel. Tenderhearted, keep a soft heart. Forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. We have got to forgive. So the code word for, for this one is to forgive. And that is so hard to do. And that's why in Matthew 18, it says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I must forgive him? As many as seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And some verses say 70 times, or seven times 70. And that, why does this, anyone do use like a high number to over-exaggerate? Like I caught a fish, it was this big, but really it was like that big. Right, just letting you know it's big. That's what he's doing. He's over. He's giving such a huge number. And some scholars think that that was like a daily thing. Seven times 70 per day. And I believe just over the last year and throughout my life is that I can come to a place of forgiveness with my dad or my mom or whoever. And they do one thing that reminds me of what they did in the past. And it all comes springing back up. Every single emotion that I thought I had forgiven, I got to re-forgive that. And forgiveness is such a key part of walking with Christ. And why is that? Because we've been forgiven of so much. Take a second and think of the most heinous and evil thing you've ever done. And some of you are like, oh gosh. Right? I know for me, I was not a good person. I'm better with Christ. Right? But I've done some pretty vile things in my life. The way that I made women feel, the way that I made my family feel, the drinking, the, the driving, just everything that I've done. I could go on and on about all the bad things I've done. And I've been forgiven of so much. And how, like, what a lack of love and grace that we have for other people when they've messed up. And even in their toughest and most hard circumstances. So you need to forgive because you've been forgiven of so much. 
And even if you don't feel like you've done something, you can look to your right or to your left. Your best friend has been forgiven of so much. And they're in a new life with Christ because of that forgiveness. And if we can't show that we're willing to forgive because we've been forgiven, how will we ever turn the tide in anyone else's life? We have got to forgive because we have been forgiven. We have got to surrender because Christ surrendered all for us. We have got to live the opposite because Christ came down and lived an opposite life, a sin-free life, so that we could have a new life. Right? And we have got to live in peace because Christ came down to show the world what peace really was. Let's pray. Now, Father God, Lord, I want to thank you for what you've done in my life, Lord. Um, again, the forgiveness, the grace, the mercy, the friendships, the relationships, the spirit that you've given me, Lord. I couldn't live a day without it, Lord. I am destined on my own to run my life off a cliff, Lord, and you've given me new hope, a new life, Lord. I pray that as we leave here, we can live as people that strive desperately to live at peace with those around us, Lord. That we can live surrendered lives, not, Lord, because we want to lose stuff, but because what we can gain is so much more valuable. Lord, I want to pray that uh, we can live the opposite of what we normally want to do in our lives, Lord. And that we can live a life of forgiveness, Lord. Help us to remember where we came from, Lord, and what you've forgiven us, Lord, and to go out and do the same for others. I thank you for your son most of all. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.